Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. You're going to hear some background noise. This is our training camp version of the podcast. We are, Mary Kay and I are sitting outside of the team's <laughs> facility in Berea, and it never fails that as soon as we hit record, uh, players are leaving the building, there's people rolling things in and out. So you're going to hear some background noise, but consider it uh, some training camp flavor. I guess, Mary Kay, this is this is what it's like being here on a Tuesday night at 7.30. All right, let, let's start here. We know who the starting quarterback will be on Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game. It's not a big surprise. It's going to be Kellen Mond. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to, to come in and play a lot of the second half, it sounds like. And that's really probably kind of the highlight of it all, seeing the rookie and, and what he can do. But um, I, I guess... With that in mind, Mary Kay, what are you really kind of watching for in, in that game from these quarterbacks? You know what? I don't even know if it's so much <laughs> the quarterbacks uh, that I will be watching as it will be more so some of the young receivers that I think are going to play in this game. Because I think there are some really good young receivers like Jalen Darden, Dalen Baldwin. I mean, some of these guys are really showing out in camp. And I'm very anxious to see what they look like in this game because I think there is a a really good competition uh, for the back end of the receiver realm. And there are some injuries, you know, you've got Marquise Goodwin out with the blood clots now, and there's an opening for a guy with speed. And, um, you know, so you've got guys like Austin Watkins, you've got Jalen Darden that have some of that speed. Uh, They will be fighting with Anthony Schwartz uh, for reps and for an opportunity to make this roster. So I think even more so than the quarterbacks, that's what I will probably be looking at. I mean, Kellen Mond, I just don't see any world in which he makes the team, right? I mean, if anything, he'll be on the practice squad. So, you know, yes, it'll be good to see DTR um, and see what he can do. But I'm more interested in the receivers. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're not going to expose Dorian Thompson-Robinson to waivers the year that you draft him. There were certainly teams that probably would have picked him at the Browns not, so they would grab him pretty quickly, I'd imagine, uh, if you did that during cutdown day. So he's going to make the, the 53, which, of course, leaves Kellen Mond as the odd man out. Josh Dobbs is the backup quarterback. So, Ashley, you know, it is interesting. I, I would imagine that we're going to see, like, Cedric Tillman on Thursday night, even though his roster spot is pretty secure, but we saw him make a great catch today. So even a guy like that, it'll be good to kind of see him at least get some game reps. 
Yeah, before Mary Kay started talking, I was like, gosh, like I'm I'm just more interested in seeing these receivers than I am the quarterbacks. Like I think that's such a good point. And yes, like I think the rookies, it's kind of like fair game, even if we assume they're gonna play a big part. It's a chance to get them out there, to get some of the jitters out. You know, it's a big environment. Dan, I know like we were talking about this. It's it's the first preseason game. It's the only game that's gonna be on. So like the whole NFL world is probably going to be watching at least part of it the diehard fans um so I think it's it's a chance for them to get out there and and yes like I'm I think of the two between Kellen Mann and DTR like DTR is the one that's most intriguing because they seemingly brought him here with the the intention of having him be with someone who can work with Deshaun Watson over the course of like a handful of years um and they obviously have that prior relationship so uh, I think between the two of them, I'm with Mary Kay. I think DTR is the one that's really compelling for me. But who knows? Like, Kellen Mond puts on a performance. Um, you know, it might help him land his next job, depending on what he does, um, assuming that the Browns would not be keeping four quarterbacks here in Cleveland. I should also mention there's autograph seekers behind us. So you might hear some people yelling. They're not looking for our autographs, unfortunately. I don't think maybe they are. Maybe they will come over here and ask for Mary Kay's autograph. I've seen it before. Um, actually, earlier today, I saw it. <laughs> you, saw, you guys saw <laughs> Yes, we did too. Today. It was uh, Cedric. Very or Puppy Cedric. Yeah. yeah. I hope he listens to the pod. I know he watches our YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So but Cedric came out. over and I said, oh, you want Mary Kay's autograph. But he insisted <laughs> Dan and I signed too. So maybe I, he was just being nice. But. He, he was did get a nice all three guy. Hours. I think maybe he was, he was very just nice. being nice. <laughs> no, he was not just being nice. We're a team. Yeah, there we go. Okay, you know what, though? So, something popped in my head here, Mary Kay, as, as we talk about Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Is is it all in play that he could put himself in competition to be the number two? You know, I really don't think that's the case at all. I, I think that they feel really good about Joshua Dobbs as their backup quarterback. They want a little bit more experience than what DTR has, which is, of course, none. Um, but, you know, Joshua has at least started a couple of games, and he's been around long enough that the game has slowed down for him a little bit. Uh, he really understands what uh, the NFL game is all about. So it takes a rookie a long time to figure some of that stuff out. And so I'm going to say no on DTR vying for that backup number two job. Ashley, I'm trying to drum something up here. Help me out. Are are, are we talking about DTR as the backup at some point this preseason? No, that just (laughs) seems like so far-fetched. Like I think if they went through the trouble of bringing Josh Dobbs back, like that was very intentional to me. And like, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the prior relationship between DTR and Deshaun and how they were friends and they trained together some in LA, but you know, earlier in the off season, I think it was before the draft, Mary Kay wrote about talking to Quincy Avery, Deshaun's private quarterbacks coach, and he trained both of them. And I know Mary Kay, Quincy made that comment to you, something to the effect of there's probably no two quarterbacks in the NFL that have spent as much time training together as Josh Dobbs and Deshaun Watson because of how far back they go and training in high school and things like that. So I think for me, it's like, why, why would you let go of Josh Dobbs now when you brought him back? And like, He's just, obviously, we talk about this a lot of him. He's such a smart guy. He's a literal rocket scientist. He's done, like, um, you know, internships with NASA and stuff like that. So I just think it, it can't hurt, plus the fact that he's been here already one year, has some familiarity with Deshaun that even goes back prior to here. I, I don't think DTR is beating him this year, but I think, obviously, in the future, he has the leg up. 
Okay, that's fair. I, I tried. You I tried. Made it it, 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 this <laughs> is not the thing that you're going to get me to, to change my opinion on, though. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. We'll talk. We'll talk after the uh, after the Philly, after Philly week. Actually, no, I mean, no, you, you guys are right. There's they, they brought Joshua, Joshua Dobbs in very intentionally. And the fact that he's not even playing in this game, I think, tells us everything we need to know. And I think that's the thing, Mary Kay, is... The guys playing in this game, this is going to give us a real indication of sort of where players stand here in the early going in camp. Like, if you're a guy out there, especially a veteran out there playing in the fourth quarter, you got some work to do um, if, uh, to make this roster, to make this 53. Now, there's going to be some guys, like I said, probably like a Cedric Tillman, some other guys who are goal, who are pretty safe that might get some playing time Thursday. But this is going to give us a, a good idea of sort of the shape of, of the bottom of that 90 man and the guys that are really just kind of fighting right now. Yeah, I think uh, for sure, I think the Cedric Tillmans and other rookies like that, who we are pretty sure are going to make the roster, those guys are going to see plenty of playing time because this is their chance. This is their opportunity to do it, and they will play in other games as well. But uh, Kevin Stefanski mentioned that there will be veterans who play in this game. And when you see those veterans playing in this game, you will know uh, that these are guys that they have some big decisions to make on. I think you're going to see a fair amount of, you know, the Anthony Schwartzes and the Demetric Feltons and some guys like this that are on the bubble heading into this season. Guys that really uh, are going to have to fight to make that 53-man roster, and some of them are going to be previous draft picks. You're going to be looking at the Tommy Togi eyes, uh, you know, of this roster and a, a number of other guys. You're going to be looking probably at the Tristan Hills and the Maurice Hursts uh, because they, they have got to figure out uh, how many guys they're going to keep on this defensive line. And we know that, um, you know, we know that Z Smith is going to be moving down inside a fair amount too. So, you know, that could impact the defensive tackle room. Uh, so there, there are guys that, you know, you just really don't know uh, if they're going to be able to make this team or not. So you will see veterans out there mixed in with uh, a lot of these young guys. And this is very, very much about roster decision-making. Yeah. And, you know, Ashley, I don't, I mean, you mentioned it and I don't want to like make this game sound like the Super Bowl, but I do think it is significant again, that this is the first game. Everybody's been waiting to watch football all off season. And people will at least watch the early parts of this game. So this is, you know, unlike when they play the Commanders or the Eagles or some of these other preseason games, look, the tape goes around, front offices are watching it and all that. But there's something to be said about the amount of attention that this game is going to get and just that opportunity to do something and get your name out there and have people talking about you. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I was kind of talking about with Kellen Mond, like, and I think it's what you're alluding to here, too. Like, especially if you're a player who's on the bubble and you're not going to make it here, like, it can't hurt to have, like, one extra game of film on you so that maybe somebody else will scoop you up based on something you show uh, in in this game. Like, you know, it's funny, like, Dan, you and I were talking about this today because of something you're working on, like, a lot of the times the narrative is like, oh, the preseason, it doesn't really matter. Like, there's only so much you can glean from the preseason and training camp. But for some guys, it's literally all they have. Like, it's their livelihood depends on what they do during these handful of games and these handful of weeks. And they can really dictate their future, even if there is not ultimately a spot for them on the Browns 53-man roster. It might help them get to their next stop. 
All right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk real quickly about what we saw at practice today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Mary Kay and I sitting outside the team facility here. I say this, there's no wood for me to knock on, but it seems to have quieted down a little bit at least. There's no train running behind us now. It seems like things have quieted down. this, listeners, is what we call the lobby curse. (laughs) And it's real. Um, So, practice today. I thought actually, there we go, car horn. I thought actually practice was pretty competitive today, Mary Kay. I was a little surprised. Um, You know, they were in pads. We saw a good amount of 11 on 11. Um, I thought it was kind of physical practice. I mean, I I even saw a couple instances where the quarterbacks got bumped around a little bit, which is obviously frowned upon, but kind of a surprisingly physical practice today. You know what? I I think that's what they're trying to establish on this football team. Uh, I think Jim Schwartz has brought that mentality uh, to the team, and I think they've really upped the intensity from what we've seen in Kevin Kevin Stefanski camp so far. I think Bubba Ventrone has also instilled that, you know, let's knock some heads mentality. Uh, You know, we are seeing that it is a little bit different. And it started right off the bat when they went into 11 on 11s today. I mean, there was hitting right from the outset. They were in full pads and uh, and it was a, a pretty high intensity camp. And I know the fans out here for the very first practice in Berea, they were loving the contact as fans always do. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, hopefully for the Browns, they did not end up having a, a, a significant injury out of it because, you know, we did not see Greg Newsom in the final team period and he wasn't even on the sidelines. So we don't know what's going on with that. I've asked for, uh, you know, some clarification on that or some insight into that. And I have not gotten an answer on that yet. Uh, but hopefully this ratcheting up the intensity and the contact in camp for them doesn't result in, you know, more injuries because they cannot afford that. Uh, they need to get to the the, uh, the starting blocks healthy, and they also, as we know, have some uh, joint practices coming up with the Philadelphia Eagles, and those are going to be tough too. Yeah, and Ashley, I'm trying to remember. I don't know that I've seen a lot of super physical practices from from Kevin, but um, you know, ne- neither of us were there on Sunday. But of course, you know, the fights break out, and um, it, it, it gets kind of chippy there, which our buddy Lance Reisland will tell us that he absolutely loves. Like, and, and I kind of agree with him. Like, when you're banging heads with guys for eight days, you should get a little upset at each other. There should be a little frustration and anger there. So, um, you know, we saw that. And then, you know, we see today, again, just a, a really physical kind of high-tempo practice. It just it felt a little different than what I've seen from Kevin the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think it's good that they are like hitting this point now in, you know, the last actual practice they have before the Hall of Fame game. Like just because 
it is kind of a, you know, not kind of, it is a drawn out preseason. They have like more than an extra week that they had to be here. And those eight practices in nine days at the Greenbrier. I mean, and I've, I've talked to a handful of guys about this when I've gotten them off to the side, especially down in West Virginia. And like, so far it seems like the consensus was like no one really felt like they were experiencing camp burnout or anything. And like guys just aren't experiencing that. And I think that's good just knowing how much longer they have to be doing this and how much longer the ramp up is. So it's promising that we're seeing that now as opposed to like seeing it very early and then almost like a burnout setting in already. And I don't feel like we're there. Mary Kay, what stood out to you today at practice? What, was there a player? Was there a play? What, what kind of stood out to you today? Well, one of the things that stood out to me uh, was Dalvin Tomlinson smacking the ball down uh, from Deshaun Watson at the line of scrimmage. It was a tone-setting play. That was followed by uh, rookie cornerback Cam Mitchell picking off Deshaun Watson on a pass intended for Amari Cooper. The defense has been bringing it and bringing it, dating back to day one at the Greenbrier. Even on Sunday, the very last practice at the Greenbrier, as the buses were idling in the background, getting ready to take them away, the defense was still uh, just bringing in the juice, bringing the intensity, and they did that out here again today. Jim Schwartz talked about this today. They want to lead the league in effort, energy, and passion. So that is what is standing out to me. And the defense is just, and the offense is just going to have to rise to the occasion and meet that kind of an intensity. And I think it's going to be really good for Deshaun Watson to have to go against the Dalvin Tomlinsons and the Miles Garretts and the Zadarius Smiths and, uh, and these really, really good defensive backs as well throughout this camp because they will get him ready to play. And this offense is just going to have to match what this defense is doing. Yeah, Ashley, it does feel like Jim Schwartz talks a lot about mindset. And and we did hear from him today. And I know he touched a lot on kind of just the mindset and, and the attitude of this defense. Yeah, and I don't have the direct quote in front of me, Mary Kay. I think you like alluded to it in the headline that you wrote. But like, it's interesting when he talks about like what they want to lead the league in. Like he didn't say a specific stat or, oh, like we want to lead the league in pressures. Like that they want to lead the, the, the league in intensity and passion and all these intangibles. And I just think like you're feeling that. I mean, I've come away these last handful of practices, I think, thinking that the defense, like, quote unquote, won as much as you can win a training camp practices, because it just seems like those guys are kind of making big plays when it counts in these competitive team periods. So I think hearing Jim Schwartz again talk today for the first time since minicamp, um, and then seeing what they did out on the field, like you can feel like to me, like these guys are buying what he's selling with this system and like those intangibles, especially. So an- another kind of group, this is the other side of the ball here. Another group I want to talk about is I, I think the receiving core has been really good so far and Donovan Peoples Jones, especially, I mean, we did a whole segment on him on a pod last week about how good he's looked in camp again, another contested catch today, Elijah Moore, didn't really have the highlight play today, but made a couple of catches. Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper. It, it kind of doesn't matter to me what Amari does in camp. I know he's going to show up week one and be ready to go, and he's, he's been fine when he's been on the field. I, I do think this receiving core is, is really shaping up to be strong. We talked about Cedric Tillman. And, you know, Mary Kay, just to drive home sort of what we've talked about all offseason, when the Browns released their first unofficial depth chart, 
you know, surprise, it's an 11 personnel, which is new. They used to do it in 12 personnel. And so from whatever you can pick from an unofficial depth chart, that's one of those things. And then Kellen Mond today said, yeah, this is a West Coast system, but it's got spread concepts. And he feels like everything they've done this offseason has pointed to adding more spread concepts. So we're sort of hearing and seeing all of the things that we've been talking about all offseason with this offense. And I think we're seeing the benefit in what they've done to upgrade this receiving core. Yeah, I think so, too. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be very, very multiple because they've got some really good tight ends, too. So even though I know we're going to see three wides a lot, I still think there's going to be uh, times when you're going, depending on the matchups, you're going to see two tight ends, maybe even three tight ends at times. And, you know, when you've got the two tight ends or maybe even sometimes three tight ends, you've got Jordan Akins, who serves as really a big receiver. So, you know, when you have him and, you know, say Amari and Elijah and David out there, it will still almost be a three wide 11 personnel look or feel. So uh, I think they're going to be very, very multiple. But as you mentioned, there are going to be a lot of receivers on the field. There will be times there will be four receivers out on the field, even if one of them is Jordan Akins. Um, so, yes, I do think that you will see spread concepts. You will see all, you know, all different kinds of things to maximize the ability of Deshaun Watson. What he feels comfortable with is what they're going to do. And if that's, you know, four verts, they're going to do four verts. <laughs> I mean, they're going to do whatever it takes uh, to help him look good and feel good out there. But that's why they have loaded up on receivers. Unfortunately for them, they've had a lot of receiver injuries. A lot of guys kind of banged up here and there a little bit. Um, you got Marquise Goodwin, their vertical uh, stretch guy who's out with blood clots right now. And they're probably going to have to find a way to replace what he was going to bring to the table. But certainly, you're going to see a lot of college con concepts filtering up into this offense Bill Musgrave, their senior offensive assistant, will bring some of those things just be, you know, because he's recently been in the college game. And, um, yeah, it, it's going to be different than what we saw last year. Okay, uh, a little bit of a shorter pot. I'll tell you what I'm going to do because we only went about 20 minutes here and we haven't potted in a couple days. Uh, I'm going to throw an interview here at the end. So let's do, let's do Rodney McLeod. So coming up after the break, uh, I had a chance to talk to Rodney McLeod when we were out at the Greenbrier. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you guys hear that interview with Rodney. I wrote a story about it on Sunday. So that's going to come up after the break. Real quick, though, subscribe to us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Hit our Instagram page. Just search Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, really easy to do right here on your phone. Just find the Instagram app, search Orange and Brown Talk, and hit follow. Uh, lots of videos and highlights on both of those places. And, of course, become a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for the newsletter. To become a texter and then also to get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. Okay, we're going to take a break. And like I said, on the other side, a conversation with veteran safety, Rodney McLeod. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. As promised, here's my interview from the Greenbrier with Rodney McLeod. So I'm just really interested kind of in like your journey in the NFL and sort of how you've gotten to here at this yeah. point in your career. So, I mean, I guess let's just go all the way back. Like, <laughs> when you first get into the league in St. Louis, you're an undrafted guy. What's that like? Uh, man, it, it, uh, I tell a lot of people when you come in the league as an undrafted player, it kind of it, it gives you the sense of, uh, a walk-on like mentality. I, I feel like, um, you know, when I went to St. Louis, uh, my lockers were a little <laughs> removed from where everybody else was in the locker room. You might have a locker mate. You know, you just feel like you're not really necessarily a, a part of the team yeah. all the way. Um, and I, I think for me, that really just uh, kind of started my journey off, just having that chip on my shoulder. Um, and taught me really how to never take, you know, any day for granted. Uh, really working to prove myself, uh, showing that I belong each and every day. And that kind of mindset has really just stuck with me throughout, you know, my entire career, uh, just because of the way that I was, I was brought in. And uh, I really just worked, man, and, and tried to earn the, the trust and respect of uh, my peers, especially the leaders in the locker room and, of course, the coaches. And the way I grabbed a lot of attention, you know, really was through special teams and uh, some of my defensive play, but special teams is really where I stood out early on. When, when you – like, let's say you go back in time and you're like, hey, Rodney, you're still going to be playing in 2023. Would, would that kid have believed you? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, to be honest, uh, in that moment, I, I really was just worried about tomorrow <laughs> uh, and, and surviving that day, uh, you know, especially as undrafted. You, you, you just don't know if tomorrow's promise. And so just really taking full advantage of every opportunity, really living in a moment. Uh, but to say that I saw myself or I envisioned myself playing, uh, going on my, you know, 12 years in the NFL then no but a lot of people you know saw it in me and saw I had the potential but uh, I didn't really know what my career would look like at that moment like I said I was just worried about um, just you know making it through through the day. Had you played a lot of teams at Virginia at all or I know some colleges like everybody does some they don't yeah before you got to St. Louis you played a lot of like special teams? Uh, I played special teams in college yeah so I I have familiarity uh, kickoff field goal block Uh, you know I was a starter for three years at Virginia, but still have played a role on special teams. Actually, was a kick returner to my freshman year. So I had a lot of familiarity, but, uh, you know, a lot of veterans just told me uh, that would be my way in, uh, you know, my first year, and, and I made the most of it. Actually came back the second year, was elected a special teams captain. Mm-hmm. Some injuries took place, and then I was able to uh, go in and start and really haven't looked back since. So, I mean, were you playing like Gunner? Gunner. Yeah, so I mean, like, that's was, a different Yeah, that's a real different, different mentality. Mindset. Yeah, it, it's, it's a grind uh, mentality. Six seconds of just, like, pure uh, intensity, relentlessness. Uh, and it's all about really want to, you know, on special teams. And, uh, like I said, a lot of what I went through in my early career has really helped build, you know, the player that you see today. Uh, so I'm forever grateful uh, for those moments, to be honest. So so what was the moment when you kind of felt, I mean, I, maybe you're just somebody who never feels comfortable and feels like you were right, but was there a moment that was like close to that or like, yeah, when you're like, okay, uh, I made it, I'm good. Yeah, I would say my my rookie year, as far as 
when I felt like I, I would be able to have success like that year on special teams was really the first game for me. Um, going out, you know, preseason is one thing to make plays, but now to do it in the regular season where people actually have film on you, they're studying, it matters, and to still have the same amount of success, that gave me confidence throughout that year. And then I would say as a starter, uh, it probably was my, maybe my third year. Okay. Uh, second year, I, I had some. I had a lot of learning curves. I played safety and nickel, but it was my third year where I felt uh, as though I took that next step, and the confidence, you know, really, I really felt confident in my abilities to be able to like play. Like I, I really wasn't worried at that point. And I, I don't know. I can't remember what game specifically, but it was some point in my third year where I said, okay, everything's clicking. This feels like the game's slowing down. I'm where I'm supposed yeah. to be. My teammates trusting me, and I'm making the plays. So, yeah, I, I felt like I'll, I'll be around for a little bit. <laughs> is it almost beneficial? I mean, look, everybody wants to get drafted, get that contract right away. But is it almost beneficial for you that you had to kind of, like you said, you were playing some nickel. Like, you didn't land on a team, and you're like, hey, you're our strong safety for the next 10 years. Yeah. So did the, in, that, in a weird way, did that almost help you? It did. It, uh, I always tell guys when they come in, you know, take pride in, in being uh, versatile. Um, but also being available. I think those are the things that really help me is my versatility, being able to play safety, nickel, corner um, in this league, and then also uh, being available. Um, and that means uh, being able to show up and, and, and be available for my team and go out there and, and produce and have an opportunity to play, right? Like you can't, you can't do that if you're hurt or if you're not doing the things that you need to prevent you from um, not being uh, on the field. So I think a lot of what I went through early on uh, was very beneficial for my career and uh, really molded me, you know what I'm saying, in, into the player that I am. So you get to Philadelphia. What was that experience like? Well, it was a lot different. Uh, going Coming from St. Louis to Philadelphia, I felt uh, a, a great difference in the culture, the the, the uh, the level of expectations there, uh, not only from internally from, you know, the, the locker room up to the front office, but also within the city, the fans. And that's where I, I really felt like, okay, I'm in, I'm in the big leagues here. And I remember always watching, growing up watching NFC East. Uh, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan actually growing up. You grew up, up in Maryland, right? Yeah. yeah okay. So I uh, was really a big fan of the NFC East. And, and, and then, when I actually went to Philly and seeing all the players that came before me and understanding what I, what I represented, who I was representing, and the expectations that they have for, for us, uh, I said I picked the right place uh, because it's very historic. It's a, it's a legendary organization, and they're, they're here to win. Yeah, you played next to Malcolm. Yeah. What did you learn from, from him? Because all I've ever heard about Malcolm is just – like the player, obviously we know about just the, the leader, the person. Yeah. Like, what do you learn playing next so to a much, guy like that? So much, so uh, much. You know, every day, you know, Jing brought his best, and he never carried himself as if he was drafted first round. You know, he he worked. He probably was one of the, the hardest working guys in the room uh, and in that locker room. And so, when you have and you see him willing to give everything, go hard in every single rep on the field, then turn around in the weight room and compete at the highest level. Um, and then 
show up every single day and, 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 and know the game, you know what I'm saying, from front end to back, um, it holds everybody else to that to that standard. And so I'm grateful for what I witnessed, you know, from his leadership standpoint, the way he conducted himself on the field, uh, and then also off the field too, you know, things that he did within the community. So um, I, I point to him for a lot of my um, growth throughout that time is because I was able to stand alongside him, uh, lead alongside him, but also learn a lot uh, from him. If you had to look back, is that sort of a, a turning point in your career? I don't know if turning point's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like you yeah. go from undrafted guy in St. Louis and now you're established in Philly. Like, does that mark like a moment in your career for you? Yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, I, I felt as though I, I came to Philly still a young man and then quickly grew into <laughs> a mature, you know what I'm saying, mature uh, man by the time I left. But I, I'm grateful for everything that I really all the all the successes and failures I had there, to be honest. Um, I, I experienced, I think before I got there, I had missed a game in the year of the Super Bowl. I missed my first game. So I, I had a lot of, you know, heart, heartbreaks there, injuries, uh, but it taught me a lot about myself. Uh, I was able to persevere, get through. Uh, you know, you go from winning the Super Bowl to the following year, missing the entire year because I tore my ACL pretty much. So uh, been able to to experience a lot within those six years and uh, yeah I'm just grateful for it all <laughs> how hard was that I mean like you said you reached the highest of highs like everybody's playing to win that Super Bowl and mm-hmm. to do it in Philly yeah and then like you said and then turn around and have yeah. a probably one of your lowest moments yeah. it, it's, it's tough um, you know I, I tell everybody that the ACL journey is is one that it teach you teaches you a lot about who you are as a as a person um, and you really just have to cherish all the milestones that you that you go through, um, and, and it's it's just a, another um, life lesson. To be honest, it, for me, it's it's a it's a moment in my uh, uh, so I guess my my chap another chapter in my life where I had to face it had an adverse moment and really taught me. Okay, well, how do you how did you respond to that? And, you know, I like the way I responded every single time that my back was against the wall where somebody challenged me and said I, I wouldn't uh, be here, you know, 12 years down the line. I wouldn't be able to survive an ACL injury. I look myself in the mirror and say, um, you know, you're stronger than you were before. Uh, what was it like with Jim that first time around, Jim Schwartz? Man, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, you know, Jim, he, he is the same guy that I met in 2016, uh, passionate, a uh, guy who's outspoken, uh, he's confident in himself. Um, he he's gonna let you know. Uh, he's gonna always speak the truth to you, but he's also gonna love you as well um, in the midst of all of that. And he's gonna bring the best out of everybody. And he's going to uh, hold his best players to that to that standard. And uh, you have to love it when when you're a coach really uh, coaches everybody the same, no matter no matter what their paycheck looks like. And you have to respect that, and um, I admire that about Jim. And it's, it, it definitely was a, a reason why uh, we were able to win and have so much success there is, is because he was, uh, he was leading us on defense. Again, it's one of those crazy things when, when he leaves, when he's done in Philly. You're like, did you ever think you'd play for Jim Schwartz again? No, nah, I didn't. He, was, he wasn't even coordinating for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, correct. I didn't. And then I ended up reconnecting with him last year. I saw him on the sidelines in Tennessee uh, when I was playing for Indy. And so we had a moment. I was able to catch him twice last year, so it was good to see him on the, back on the sidelines because I didn't know 
um, you know, whether or not, you know, he would even go back into football because of his whole health, um, you know, complications he had at the end of his uh, uh, tenure in in Philly. So now, you know, once he – once I found out that he was coming to Cleveland, I think I just shot him a text like, you know, congrats, coach. It's it's good to see that you'll be back on the sidelines. I know, you know, you've been itching at that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, he's he's here for a reason. Um, You know, I think – God doesn't make any mistakes. He brought he brought everybody here for for uh, one reason or another, and we'll find out at the end of this uh, at the end of this road. Yeah. So I mean, how big of a factor was it then? To, I guess like, did he kind of before you signed here? Did you talk to him? Did he kind of define your role? Did he kind of tell you what what he won, why he wanted to bring you here? Yeah, uh, we had a conversation. Uh, the, once I, I spoke to Andrew Barry first, uh, mm-hmm. he was the first person I spoke to, just about everything. Did you know Andrew in Philly? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so another Philly connect, and uh, quickly after that, I got a call from Jim, and uh, yeah, he pretty much outlined, um, you know, what he saw my role as, you know, within his defense, and uh, was just excited to be back involved in coaching and, and express how uh, how excited he was to be around this group, and said that, you know, we have something special here, uh, a lot of great talent. Um, and he's looking forward to just getting in front and, and coaching again. And, you know, obviously the, the mission is, is, is to win. And, and so uh, that's his, that's his uh, goal uh, as well as us as players. So a lot of times when people say this guy's been brought in to be a leader, that could sometimes be code for this, this guy's old. But, yeah. like, for you, you, look, you had a good year last year in India. Are you mm-hmm. here still trying to prove to people that you got years left? Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, that's the reason why I decided to come back. Um, I highly considered, you know, hanging them up last year, but I felt like that spark was still there, that passion, that love uh, for the game. I felt like I still had more to give. And uh, when the opportunity presented itself to come here, uh, everything aligned, you know, from from Jim to to Andrew to Coach Kevin to uh, the guys on his team. And so for me, it's that same mindset every single day is, you know, I'm, I'm here to prove that, man, the 12-year vet can still play, can still get down, you know what I'm saying, with the young guys, can still make plays, uh, and then also prove to everybody else outside these walls uh, who, who may have forgotten, you know, about me. Uh, but that's just, you know, that's just the mindset that I have um, always. And and uh, so that's, that's my continuing uh, that keeps me going and motivated each and every day. That undrafted mindset never, never goes away. Nah, <laughs> nah. It, it, like it, I'm telling you, it doesn't, man. And I, I, I tell you know guys all the time, you can never get complacent. You know, you have to treat success and failure the same. Uh, and no matter what, just just be even kill. Keep your confidence. Keep your cool. Um, and go out and and just just give it your all. So does Ephraim really call you coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He does call me coach a few times in the in the in the meeting room. I'm like, damn. Like first, you know, it's one thing. All right, your your teammates call you OG, but then it's like your coach calling you coach. <laughs> you're like, all right, you you got to that point where you like you're old, bro. Yeah. But, well, I mean, what does it mean to you to, to, to no, sort of I think be that? No, I think it's a sign of respect. Yeah, that compliment though. and then also yeah. just to sort of be like, that is part of why you're here, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a sign of respect. Um, you know, I think I was running from it early on uh, when I first 
was when I first uh, experienced the OG <laughs> nickname because uh, I was doing that to guys like Malcolm and uh, Corey Graham, you know, who were before me. And now I, I've entered into that role. But I think it's really just a sign of respect, the same respect I have for them, understanding um, they've experienced a lot. Uh, they've achieved a lot. Uh, they have a lot of success in this league, and it doesn't come by accident in playing as long as they did. So I think for a lot of guys, it's, it's the same approach, uh, same mindset that they have for me, one to ask questions, one to learn. Um, and I'm an open book. Uh, I've always been like that, even in my younger years, because that's how I was taught uh, from guys like Corlin Finnegan and Quinn Michael uh, when I was a rookie. It's kind of the, the OG thing you got me. It's kind of like when you're like 25 or something and you go to the grocery store and the high school kid there calls you sir. It's like, yeah. oh, whoa, wait, wait a exactly. minute. Exactly, yeah. Like, just call, yeah, just call me by my, my regular name. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm Rod. But uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's OG first. I think I, I don't even hear Rod too much. It's, it's more OG, triple OG, whatever it is. But uh, you wear it, man. I, I wear it with a badge of honor. And knowing that, um, you know, I'm brought here for a reason and, uh, you know, I just got to go out there and take care of my business. So there's two guys I want to ask you about. One, I'm, I'm actually working on a story on Ephraim. So I'm just curious. Like, yeah. You know, what's he like? What, what's he like in that room as a coach? What has your experience with him been? Um, my experience with Ephraim has been, uh, it's been good uh, this far. And I think what you notice is that he has a, a, a great deal of, of, of care and a great deal of respect for every person in, in the room. Um, he makes it a point of emphasis to make sure that we do connect, uh, that, you know, times like during the summer, he's calling to, to check in on guys and not even check in to ask if you're working out. It's just checking in to see, like, how how you how you doing? How's life? Um, and, and that's a different level of, of, of coaching. And I think that's what we have here uh, all around, not even, you know, within our group, but as a team. Uh, you have to be able to connect. Uh, you have to know your brother. Um, and I think that only makes uh, us stronger um, and then want to obviously play for one another, uh, go that much harder for one another. And so in our room, uh, he makes he, he, he puts that's a point of emphasis for him. Um, he's obviously a good coach. He's, he's very detail-oriented. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't let much slip by. Uh, he coaches us hard, and then, you know, I, I think he does a good job at, at, at motivating us, too. Uh, you know, one thing, the way we started camp was um, it's a bunch of question marks in our room right now. And for us, it's, it's about going out, uh, one, setting the, setting the pace for our team, but our defensive unit, and then it's answering that question every day that um, we are going to be the ones, you know what I'm saying? It, it's no question mark. Like, we are the answer. So, okay, expand on So, like... What do you mean? Like, does he? Is that? Does he just say that? Is there like? Do you have no nah, like, stuff hanging on the wall? Like, what? It, yeah, it, it just was a, a slide that was put up. Okay. Um, and I think all of us could relate. You know, it's just a, a lot of outside, you know, noise and, and chatter. But like I said, man, he, he he's he, he's a great um, leader. He does a good job at bringing us all together, and um, and like I said, a good a good motivator too. One other guy, uh, Grant. Yeah. Yeah, gotten to know him a little bit. What are yeah. your impressions of Grant? Man, really um, is a is a guy who doesn't say much, but you feel his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is just his level of um, the way he works. Uh, he's always looking to to get better, sets the tone, uh, loves to be available. 
uh, it's hard to, to really, you know what I'm saying, pull them away from a drill or, or, or a team period. Uh, and it's somebody that um, at, at this young age has really made an impact, um, you know, in this league and on this team. So uh, a guy who's going to be going to be a special player for us this year and make a lot of plays. Do you, do you want to coach someday? Or is that, that not the lifestyle you're looking for when you do hang them up? Yeah, I mean, like, that's been uh, – I've gotten that from, uh, from other coaches as well uh, outside, of, outside of UB calling me coach. But guys tell me, you know, I, I would have a, a, a nice little future here. But it's just hard. You just never know because you're going right back into a world that you left. So you never know what could happen. It's better money. Can't close, can't, clo- can't close that door. I'll never close the door. Be- better money and more fun than what you're doing it now, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is that is true. And then the pressure, not much. Either the pressure is a, a little, uh, a little, a little off. You know, it's not, it's not. Uh, you don't have to worry about you know the playing and the hitting and all of that. It's a, it's a different level of pressure, I should say. And thanks to Rodney McLeod. You can find that story at cleveland.com slash Browns, also on my Twitter feed uh, at Dan underscore Lobby, L-A-B-B-E. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.